The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells and with me today is Maureen O'Connor, New York sex columnist. Hey, hey. Maureen. Hey, David. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all the way from LA, Allison Davis. How's it going, Allison? Hey, David. Oh, good. How about you? <laughs> you throw me off every time. Every Sorry. Time. Um, today, the big secret of dating apps. Tech doesn't matter. We're going to be talking about Maureen's PhD level column, which she's hoping will be the absolute last word on dating apps. We're also going to be talking about sexual types and just what the fuck they're about. A new study says you may spend your whole life dating people who look like the first person you made out with, which seems really depressingly sentimental to me. And we're also going to be talking about a recent spate of super hot interracial lesbian sex on television. So on to our first topic, the last word on dating apps. Maureen, I love this column of yours, which I take it you've basically been working on since the invention of Grindr. <laughs> basically, yes. Do you want to tell us about how it came about, what you were trying to say? Well, I thought for the longest time I didn't want to write this column because I thought it was super too obvious. And yet I find myself every time perpetually, you know, ever being pitched stories about the new technology and dating app or like Tinder invited, invented this super swipe. Is it going to change the game forever? And I kept on saying, of course, none of these are going to change the game. No more so than if your favorite bar gave you like a super good drink or something, having used so many dating apps. It's like I counted up and I've used at least 15 that I've like talked to somebody on. I have not gone on dates from all of them. The number then then I've used like on my other friends' phones and such is like enormous. So how many are there like that many in total that 15 is only a small slice of the total? Yeah, it's a small slice. Although the thing is, none of them, I think the smaller ones, most people are doubled up, you know, that right. they're like everybody who's dating is on OkCupid or Tinder of the, you know, like 20, 30 something cohort. They might also be on Hinge or they might also be on Raya or they might also be on something else. Um, but my theory was always that knowing sort of whether you like a dating app, it's not actually about the technology or the algorithm or the way the chat features work. It's not the technology. It's purely just who's on that app. It's just the user base. Um, and so my theory was that if you're, you know, looking how to sort of like game this dating app or make dating apps work for you, it's just about finding the one that has the demographic of people you want to date. And those demographics are significantly different from one to the other? Not significantly, but there is a difference. Like, yeah. you feel the difference that, for instance, um, like there's some apps like, say, everybody on Raya is also going to be on Tinder, but it's a smaller selection of them, right? And if those are the people you're sort of going swiping left through Tinder to get to, then you're going to have a more effective time if you just join the other app, right? So basically, it means the technology itself doesn't matter. It's basically just the marketing, if, you know, if they get the right pool of right. people. But the second thing I noticed was that the time you join uh, dating app, depending on how sort of new or old it is, since there's so many of them in the market now, and the market changes so rapidly too, you can really feel the difference when it's new and people are just beginning to join it. And basically, that's sort of a measure of how close to the technology industry the people on the dating app are. Right. That the first wave of users are all tech guys, or you know, the tech industry people who invented it. They're investors. The next wave are whoever they're marketing to, which is usually their friends. Sometimes it's a specific segment of their friends. Um, and then by the time you get, say, the third wave, that's usually when I want to join it. The trajectory it takes can be a little bit different, but ultimately it's sort of a similar move from whoever its core market is 
towards the mainstream. And then you sort of hit the moment, because I hear people all the time be like, well, Tinder's over now. And what they actually mean is that it's just too mainstream and they're not getting the people. Now they're seeing the equivalent of walking down the street in New York City as opposed to walking into the bar in New York City where they actually find their dates. I think the reason it's like this, why this sort of, we really notice this feeling of user bases and niches right now is because new dating apps are coming out every single month. I mean, there's so many of them. They're competing for this exact same kind of small singles market. Everybody tries probably multiple things while they're dating, and they just end up sticking the difference between the one that you stay with and you hang out with and keep using versus the one that you sort of are like, eh, I never open that anymore. It's really just the people and who's there. And putting aside like the super niche ones, is the difference between the people who are on like Hinge versus Tinder, is that something that the companies you think are consciously, are they building those communities or just an accident that the that the populations are slightly different from one one app to the next? I would say it's in the marketing, right? Like, yeah. like Hinge is like, oh, we're a friend of a friend. You can trust us more. It's less random than Tinder. Tinder's like, I don't know. I don't even know how they really market themselves, but it's known as the free for all. So yeah. I think it has to do with how they're building themselves at the outset. And they brag about it, too, that Hinge always sends around. They're like the top most desired people that they will, you know, they sort of send it around and they want somebody to write a blog post about, you know. And what they're really doing is they're just broadcasting. This is the type of person you get. Like the league is another one of those like elite ones where you have to be theoretically get approved to get in. And that one is just essentially like hedge funders and Hamptons. You know, you want to be photographed on a yacht. Raya or Raya. How do you pronounce it? Allison, do you know? It's Raya, but, like, they just rejected me, so I feel very upset. <laughs> they rejected. I actually think they rejected every single person from New York Magazine because we were the first one to write a real article that outed celebrities on it. And they were just they were just angry. That is the word I heard, but this is all gossip <laughs> and hearsay because they won't reply to my phone calls either, and I, too, never got in. <laughs> this is what I have heard. Somebody told me, I don't know, these are all rumors now. That's pretty cruel corporate PR, though. Like to, There's, like, hundreds of people at New York Magazine. And we're also attractive. Like okay, you know? yeah. This could be... T- False. Is anyone on New York Magazine listening and are they in Raya? And can I borrow your phone for a minute? (laughs) I have one friend that was even like, you can't use my Raya Marine. If you use it, they're going to find out and they're going to take it away from me. And all the hot guys are on this one. Don't take it. It's actually true. I swiped through someone's and there was like, I mean, just the quality of men was incredible. I was really heartbroken not to be on it. So you much know, better than the other. When ones. you say that, what are the, what what do you mean by quality? Like, what's the what do you what's the difference between the people you see there and you see on some other app? Um, let's see. I feel like it was they were uh just like super hot. Super hot, David. But also like more <laughs> in <laughs> more interesting. I feel like their bios were a little more interesting. They were in fields. I think that's the whole point of Raya. It's like they're it, creative, so the, the they're in general just seem like more interesting people that can get you into better parties than say the yes. average person <laughs> to on Tinder. I think um, the way I did this like 15 dating app rundown in my article on on why I think dating apps are bunk, which ironically has gotten me more dating app pitches than like anything else. When I was like, this is I'm done. But um, my in my rundown, I think I said Raya was the heiresses and DJs app, uh-huh. um, whereas the league is hedge funds and Hamptons. So, you know, it's like the same people renting the same jets on weekends, but for different reasons. So am I just like a naive romantic to ask, like the kind of person who is using a dating app that you have to apply to and be approved for, aren't they sort of by definition, like, not attractive? Yes. Wait, well, Allison disagrees. 
Thanks, guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I disagree. I think that like I applied. I, was, I mean, no, no shame. Right. But. Right. I think it's just like what it was attractive to me because I was like, finally, somebody is curating the amount of people that I have to slog through. And I know that curating people sounds pretty awful, but it's just so overwhelming. I just want to know that I might talk to one or two people in a day that or actually someone I'd want to date as opposed to just fielding dozens of like, can I sit on your face or can you sit on my face? <laughs> <laughs> either, either way, either way. Really. But I mean, isn't a party just a curated social experience anyways? Yeah, but I don't go to parties. <laughs> <laughs> but I also guess on the whole other end of that spectrum is like matchmaking, but you never want someone to just like once a week send you like the the a single profile right but like, in that fact would be too there is a dating app that does that coffee yeah. meets bagel which yes. is such a charming what name. A name i mean first of all it's already telling you that that was the one um that i dubbed risk averse nice guys which they really are but you know in this formulation the coffee is the man and the bagel is the woman theoretically or i don't know i always assumed it was that like the people who use that app are like you know like going out to a coffee date people who go to coffee dates as, yeah. that was like always my sort of like measure that I'm like, are you a coffee date person or a bar date person? Because I, sh- I don't do the coffee date people. It just makes your breath smell too bad, I would think. Coffee breath is like terrible for a date. <laughs> and just like, how can you ever go on a date without alcohol? I don't know how like super yeah. people do these things, but they are so brave. Really so brave. <laughs> well, most since so many people have like multiple dating apps on their phone, like I have, I'm looking right now, I think I have four four different ones that I use like with fair regularity. If I see a dude on Tinder and then see him again on Hinge or on Bumble, am I allowed to swipe on all three platforms? Yes. Okay. Um, and in fact, I have had probably the most times that I've actually ended up going on a date with somebody from various apps and whatnot is when we've seen each other multiple times and then it like becomes a joke. I would say you could swipe him on everyone, but maybe go back to the one where you already matched or the one where you already thought about messaging him and just be like, oh, I saw you again. We're all whores, aren't we? And then you'll be like, <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. Um, okay. By the way, you just said that and I opened up my um, dating app folder in my <laughs> phone. You've got a whole which folder. Is already, yeah. yeah, it's a little heart emoji folder. And um, I am now in a relationship. I haven't used one for like seven months. And I have uh, 12. Whoa. Whoa. You have all of them, basically. Kind of. And I even delete them pretty rigorously. You know, the one, there's a few of them that I even still get like emails and shit from that I know I deleted them, but they somehow aren't gone yet. For some reason, I always think I would never delete a dating app. Like, that's my life. My history is there. Just as I would never delete, I don't know, like having, I also don't delete text messages, you know, that right. this is this is my whole personal history. Allison, do you have a favorite? Um, I, my favorite. I think, like, it for me, it really depends on where I am. In New York, Bumble's way better, but here in L.A., like, Tinder's great. So right now, I'm very pro-Tinder. So you actually use Bumble? I do use Bumble. What's the conceit with that one? Do you get, t- um, it's the one that women have to re- initiate contact, right, Allison? Right. Um, yes. I like it because I'm really good at opening lines, and I think that ah. that gets me, like, dates more often. Um, other apps are kind of like, I always tell people, like, I'm a slow burn. If you see my photo, you immediately might not want to swipe. But if I say something witty, then you maybe you'll go out with me. I don't know. I'm a personality, not a face, guys. Ah, and that's what, that's what Bumble empowers you to. Well, then yes, maybe exactly. it is the tech for you. So we've been talking about Maureen's dating app manifesto, which you can find on The Cut. Now let's move on to our second topic. Why do you like what you like? 
There have been kind of a million stupid articles over the years about ideal beauty types, the idea that there are a couple universal factors like symmetry that determine whether someone's attractive or not. But a new study, uh, a massive 35,000 subject study conducted at Mass General, uh, which is kind of a weird place to do a study like this, <laughs> showed that those universe, those quote-unquote universal factors only amounted to about half of the story um, in determining when people found other people attractive. The other half, the author said, was totally circumstantial, which is why they say many of their subjects reported dating person after person who just happened to look like the first person they made out with, which sounds to me like an awful horror movie or something. Isn't that like you're like doomed to repeat the same romance for the (laughs) The rest of your life? The Groundhog Day of hookups. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, so just talking about your own personal experiences, like what do you... Did your types begin, if you have them, did your types begin with someone early? For me, it would seem more likely that you'd sort of find your way to a type maybe in like your early 20s and then start repeating it. The people you start dating when you're like a teenager, it's like there's so many other random factors in that, right? Right. So I thought about it really hard after this. And I was like, I guess I do sort of have like a handful of types that I go for. and. Yeah. I can't tell if now this is like some like confirmation bias. that I was like, these do trace to like... The first, like, teenage love and then the first, like, actual boyfriend and that maybe I can actually trace those into through lines. Can you, Allison? I've been thinking about this, too. And, like, the first guy I ever kissed was, like, a super skinny Jewish guy. And ever since then, like, all I date are burly, like, Scandinavian men. So <laughs> You I, rebelled. Like, I, yeah, I completely rebelled. And so I, I don't see a clear line between the first person I ever, like, kissed or had a huge crush on to who I date now but they all are related to my first serious boyfriend mm. which happened in my in my 20s so I kind of go with the theory of the 20s as opposed to like 12 years old when you have no idea what you like you know I don't know or that could but it could also be that say that first that first real relationship was right. the formative one yes I yeah, yeah. I agree I did recently see like a um, a girl I dated when I was like 15 photos of her on Facebook and realized how much she looked like my wife. Although then oh, when I showed weird. those then when I showed those photos to my wife, she was like, "She doesn't look anything like me." What do you think? Oh, about? what did she think? <laughs> was she like, "I'm way hotter than that girl"? Um, well, yeah, she, she did. Say, she did think that. Good for her. <laughs> I I did that to my last boyfriend a lot too. I'd be like, "Oh, you look just like my high school boyfriend. Do you want to see pictures? You guys are basically interchangeable, which nobody likes to hear, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all like white guys with beards. I mean, I wouldn't mind if like the ex girlfriend was like outrageously hot, and I'd be like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I look like. I know that you've dated Kate Moss in the past, and like you just repeat the future again and again. <laughs> it's your thing." Do you think you'll the, the boyfriend you have now is any way similar to like your first love or your first make out or? Well, sort of in that tryst. What I did realize is that I think I have like two genres of men, but then I'm like, am I just sort of making these categories once I think I need to like divide up the kind of guys I date? Because as I was trying to describe it to somebody the other night that I was like, so I'm trying to figure out if I have types. And then she's like, yeah, you absolutely. You have like this like tall, skinny, ethnically ambiguous type. And then you have this tall, skinny white type. And then you have I'm like, okay, you're just listing races now. Like, we know they're tall and skinny and that's it. So I guess in that sense, yeah, he's of the same sort of height and build that I usually date. And are your friends like, do they tend to be surprised when they meet people you're dating? Or is it like, oh, yeah, of course, this person would be suitable for Maureen? I don't really know if I have an answer to that. Yeah. I think people are always like, that's a good guy because nobody wants to be like, I hate him when they, you know, until after you break <laughs> never, up. Never? Never? Um, 
No, you, not really. You've never been warned off. Actually, no, that's true. Yeah. You know what? I don't stay with those ones. Right, right. <laughs> so I like erase them from my mind. I do find that when friends try and like set me up, um, they seem to have this real clear idea of who they want to set me up with. And it's, it is always like a Jonah Hill lookalike, which is just like a couple degrees off from my actual, what I would consider my type. Oh. Um, so you I prefer feel like a people... little like blonder and more Viking like is what you're yes, saying exactly. here. Not ah. just, like, any... it's more of a Seth Rogen type is really what you're going for. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Subtle <laughs> distinction, but important. Yeah. Really important distinction, guys. But I do feel like friends feel like they just know what kind of guy you physically are attracted to. And I do, friends are surprised that I'm like, oh, I think that that like very skinny, like short Macaulay Culkin guy is attractive, you know? So I think it's uh, that. I find lots of people attractive, but it was only when I started thinking through it systematically that I was like the ones that actually lasted actually do fit a certain type. Um, and I don't know why that is. It actually kind of made me like question myself. <laughs> so you're going to try to like, yeah. Yeah, I know. Maybe get rid of this guy and find some like short <laughs> fat guy. And that's where I am now. No, that's Ready. my type. Stay away. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said like Nordic woodsman. Wasn't that what the, like, what, what was the phrase you used? Um, Scandinavian burly man. Burly man. Oh, burly man. <laughs> I like yeah. Northern Woodsman too, though. This yeah, is a good type. That type sounds fun. <laughs> so let's move on to our last subject: TV's new lesbian sex bonanza. <laughs> Allison, what can you tell us about all of the um, hot interracial lesbo action on TV this season? <laughs> I just I love the title of this segment, by the way. Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, two of my favorite shows right now, and I'm sure like everybody's favorite shows are Empire and um, How to Get Away with Murder. And they both feature like two just incredible black female leads, um, Cookie Lyons and Viola Davis's character, whose name I need to look up really quickly. I'm sorry, I forgot. People really do think of that character as just Viola Davis. Yeah. <laughs> like she's not really playing a character. She's just like... It's Viola Davis, yeah. right? Um, it's Annalise Keating is her character's name, or Viola. Um, and so on both shows this season, they have gotten two hot lesbian love interests. On Empire, it's Marissa Tomei, who like showed up in this red suit with no shirt underneath and was like, I'm a hot lesbian bitch in a red suit. And I like it blew my mind. And they intimated that her and Cookie had a former relationship. And then she does hook up with another black woman on the show, Um in, in, I guess, two episodes ago. And then last week on Scandal, Annalise Keating had um, has had like a long-standing bisexual relationship with, I'm going to mispronounce her name, um, Famka Jansen. Jansen? Jansen, yeah. Who is just like so hot. And they made out and had a sex scene on last week's Scandal. And I'm like loving these incredibly attractive, sexually empowered women just getting it on with one another on two major network nighttime shows. I think it's a real, like, real progress. And it's also. interesting that both of them are cross racial. Yes. So we're checking all the boxes of my personal interests. <laughs> Do you think it's just producers like trying to be a little envelope pushing? I think it's that, and I think it's also, um, I mean, for both of these characters, they're like, we're going to get ours, and we, like, whatever we want, we're going to get it, and I love a sexually empowered woman who's like, I want both hot men and hot women of all colors, and because I'm amazing, I'm going to, I'm going to get that, and you can watch, which is just, I mean, Viola Davis for president is all I have to say. (laughs) Do these characters, are they characters that, um, I mean, are they all lesbians, or are they sort of orientation fluid women orientation fluid women also i um cookie was in prison so i feel like that is part of the plot that there was just like it was a prison relationship 
So Marissa Tomei's had two lesbian relationships depicted on the show. One yes. in the past oh, with I Cookie see. and one right. in the in present the with who's the uh, it's it's the character that is commonly referred to as Boo Boo Kitty. It's like the hot uh, record producer um, that used to be married to, to Cookie's ex-husband. So it's like so convoluted to explain. But she has another affair with a non-Cookie black woman. Have there, have there been sort of like similar similarly raunchy gay sex depictions on network TV? Or is it like the lesbians come first and then gay sex comes later? I don't I know. Think... Are these depictions raunchy, Allison? I don't know. They're beautiful. Oh. Okay, I was like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> they're like they're they're very steamy. I don't know if raunchy is the right word, but I feel like Orange Is the New Black definitely broke down like the door for depicting like super hot lesbian sex on television. Even though Netflix is not like a mainstream network, I think we're now primed to be like, yes, I want to see more of that. Well, it's interesting, though, because I'm pretty sure in at least Empire, long before they introduced any lesbian plot lines, there were definitely like chicks making out at their like when they're throwing wild parties and such. Um, Weren't there? Yeah. I remember seeing that you're like, oh, look, they're throwing the party for Marissa Tomei. So they have all these lesbians here. And I'm like, well, I think that's what they do at the other parties, too, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like those parties were for like, oh, look at the hot woman making out like it's a girl's gone wild setting. But this was like. Marissa Tomei, here are a bevy of women that you can pick from to hook up with. Like, go ahead, have what you want. It's a buffet, um, which I don't know. It still sounds kind of wrong when I say it like that. But for me, I was <laughs> very still thrilling. <laughs> well, seen. It's also seen, I guess, um, a woman in the role that normally we're like, oh, like record producer gets to show up at the party and bang any of the talent he wants. That it sort right. of flips it a little bit. It's amazing and awesome how long Marissa Tomei has been like a so hot and like like such a sexual uh sexually assertive person like in our culture i feel like she's yeah. going on like 30 35 years now she's oh, like really? or maybe i don't know when did my cousin Vinny come out uh, 1990 yeah <laughs> you really you haven't seen it oh my no. god i'll watch it now because i'm like a, like so into marissa tomei so. that's one of those movies that like you you can't believe was ever sold in a hollywood pitch meeting it's like the Karate Kid gets arrested in Louisiana, and we send Joe Pesci, Pesci down to get him out. I'm being told uh, that it, that my cousin Biddy came out in 1992 by our engineer Zach in the booth. Thanks, Zach. Um, <laughs> Allison, we can talk about that movie next time. And that's it for Sex Lives. Our producer is Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Zach Dinerstein, Henry Malowski, and Laura Mayer at Panoply. For Maureen O'Connor and Allison Davis, I'm David Wallace-Wells. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>